Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, my homies, to part two. All right, are you ready for this mind-blowing, cheetah-exposing, trauma-healing conversation with the world-renowned psychologist, my woman, my girl, Dr. Romani? Now, if you've been cheated on, you already know how painful and heartbreaking it actually can get. You question yourself, was it something you could have done better? Was she more attractive? Oh my God, that negative voice, the spiraling of questions and endless doubt and uncertainty will just never end. And the broken trust doesn't want to actually heal. Well, the second half of this conversation that we're about to get into may be exactly what you need to start healing and realize it was never a you problem to begin with. Now, let's freaking go in this part two with Dr. Ramani on Women of Impact, where she unveils the freaking truth and gets down to business. God, it... It's so complicated. It's very complicated. Especially when it comes to like the different type of person, the dynamic Mm -hmm. that each of you have. And I actually haven't got got a bunch of stats here. Um, In LA Weekly, it says ages between 20 and 29, women are more likely to cheat. Mm -hmm. And over 30, men are more likely to cheat. So probably the difference there might be, and I'd be curious to know if that LA Weekly survey, if these were people in marriages Mm. if they had kids Mm. um and how long the relationships had lasted that's actually yeah is what's what would be the those so to because to me the women under 29 might be either less likely to have children or if they did have children might be with a partner they met very very young Mm. so there's almost this sort of exploratory curiosity that they had Mm. Um, the relationships, like I said, might be shorter term where it feels sort of lower stakes. And that over 30, you might have more of those men who are, they can't quite be grown ups yet. And they do have kids and they, they have the other responsibilities and there might be less sex in the relationship mm-hmm. and all of that. It's it, like this, it does come down to communication, right? Which you can't do with a narcissist. So that group is out. But with everyone else, it is really, do you feel like you can, if a person says, listen, I've gone to my partner several times and said, I want to, I would like this more. Can we do this more? Can we spend more time hanging out together? Can we talk to each other more? Can we have more sex? Whatever it is. And they still felt like over and over again, the partner was not willing to talk about that or meet them or compromise with them on that. And then they cheat. I'd still have the question of, did you ever think of asking your partner if they would be interested in an open marriage? And you'd say, I'm not getting these needs met here. So I need to have, I need these things to happen in my life. I do. They're important to me. I do love you and I do love this relationship and I don't want to betray you, but something's got to give. Mm. A lot of people would never have that conversation. Mm. It seems like now there's a lot more open marriages. There are more open relationships. And I'm not mad at them. I'm really not mad at them. I will say if you communicated in a way and you're very, you have a clear set of expectations and rules. There was actually a really interesting article about this. I think it was in the LA Times. A woman was talking about her open relationship and she had like a very ordinary job, like a teacher or something like that. It wasn't like she was some like working in some th- something where they go, oh, it's all very, you know, fabulous and glamorous or not like the norm. It's just a very ordinary job. They didn't have children though. And when I read that article, it was very interesting for me, okay? I'm someone who's been cheated on. So to me, being cheated on is like a, is a mortal wound. 
And when I and when I've done my own work in therapy and I've dug deep in, and I've been cheated by nar- on by narcissists and non-narcissists. So I've had both kinds of cheating. I am a living laboratory here, yeah. darling. So I can tell you what both of those feel like, right? And I think that I wasn't going to ever be able to change these men, and I've no interest in doing that. But I really had to sit down and say, why did this bother me so much? Was I mad because this person betrayed my trust? Would I be equally mad if they shared a secret about me? Would I be equally mad if they took some money from me? And I had to sit with that. And I said, no, this cheating, this betrayal, Romantic betrayal bothered me more than those two things. I mean, imagine how much money. Like if they stole $500 from me, I wouldn't be happy about it. But it would be different than this, Mm -hmm. right? And so we also have to do a deeper dive into what is the meaning of this? Is it abandonment? Is it replacement? Is it betrayal of trust? Is it because we saw it happen with parents? Um, Is it because we felt replaced by a sibling in another part of our life? There's a whole litany of things that could have been going on, right? So it took me that bigger thought of like, would I ever want an open relationship, right? I I did this. I'm using myself Mm -hmm. as the example. And I thought, no. I thought, but you know, I could do it too. Not that I have the effort or energy, (laughs) but I could do it too. They have to be open and honest about it. That's what I loved about this woman sharing her story. Because mm. she said, we had the pact that we would come home and tell our partner if we had been with someone else, met someone else, that kind of thing. There was no holding back. Mm. So I could do it. They would have to tell. I, and I, I literally felt physically ill. So I'm like, something somatic is happening mm. here to me. What is this about? And so... I, the best I could get to in my particular case is that sense of, I wasn't good enough. And so you had to go to someone else, which is a, which is a core wound for me from a lifetime of narcissistic abuse, right? In that sense that if you could replace me, then I wasn't good enough. Now, I know that's not true. If a client was telling me, I'm like, no, that's not about you. They're cheating. It's about them. But it's how we internalize these experiences. Your book, it's, it's not, not you. It. Right. It, was, it wasn't me. When these, when these men wandered off, it had nothing to do with me, even though they tried to make it seem as though it did. Mm-hmm. It's a, lo- it's a lot of work to say, no, they made a choice. They made a decision. The other place, though, where, Lisa, people get lost is people will make the, the, they will wonder and say, why wasn't I worth not doing that? If I was all, if, they, if I was so special to this person, no, you're special. They didn't have the capacity to integrate your specialness and make choices in the best way. So it's it's a very, very, it's very difficult for people who have any kind of inner narrative around, I'm not good enough, I don't deserve, I'm going to be left, I am replaceable. It hits those wounds like a, I mean, like I can't, nothing I could ever describe. And so, and this is why I think I'm so, not just because it's happened to me, but because I've seen it happen to so many clients and I'll tell you, the wound of infidelity and betrayal is one that takes a lifetime to heal, and it always lives, leaves a pretty big scar. I do not see people blithely coming back from this. I do not. And I don't care if it's a marriage, not marriage, shorter-term relationship, longer-term relationship. I've worked with clients in their 70s who still remember when they were cheated on when they were 19. So you better believe it's stuck with them. And that's why when I hear people minimize it and make light of it, it's not to be made light of. Betrayal hurts. Relational betrayal hurts most of all. And I could sit here and tell you all day, there's complicated reasons people cheat. There's a whole bunch of reasons people cheat. I can even understand some of the reasons people cheat. I really can. But it does something to the other person that changes them. It changes their relationship with trust. It changes their relationship with themselves. It changes how they affect themselves. And like I said, I will never, ever, ever buy that somebody cheated because of somebody else. Even if you don't like someone, you can still say, yo, I can't, I can't, I just, I can't. But listen, I get it. It's, it's complicated. I, I just, I'm, I, I really take umbrage at, especially when it's in a heterosexual relationship 
And there's people out there saying, well, the reason your guy might have cheated is because you didn't do this, this, and this. I'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not buying that because by and large, for most people, they will describe the experience of being cheated on as an asteroid that crashed into their lives. So if you don't mind, how did you start to heal from that then? I mean, obviously. In my, I have to tell you, in my own self, it, it's what I tell everyone who's trying to heal from narcissistic abuse. It's about slowly but surely allowing yourself to harn to be your true self to actually no longer live a life where you are trying to be for other people especially a partner how how can i please this person how can i be for the, what what do i need to be to win of, of over other people versus who am i what am I about? What's important to me? What do I stand for? What are my values? What, who am I? Because once you really start getting there, you're no longer defining yourself in this deficit model of, well, I wasn't even good enough to not cheat on and I wasn't even good enough. No, 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 no. I really have to go back and say, what the hell was going on for me that I even made those kinds of choices? I'm not blaming myself. Mm. I'm really not. But why was this good enough? And I see that now. I really, really see that. But it was definitely, I'm going to tell you, I've healed some, but not completely. I don't trust in the same way. I really, really, I, I don't think I ever will again. I don't. I see the potential for betrayal in every human being I meet. Mm. And so when people don't betray me, it's sort of, it's actually kind of nice. It's like a little present. I'm like, look at that person not betraying me. Kind of nice. Mm. Versus, what do you mean you betray? When people betray me, I'm like, here we go. That's good. Got it. Right on schedule. But when people don't, I'm like, it's like finding like, I don't know. It's like somebody left a present on your front doorstep. How are you able then to not let that talk? Because it's a bit of a negative thinking that. It is. How do you make sure that that doesn't become a toxic thing that you said earlier, right? Where you hold it in your body, yeah. you know, the, what was it, the um, uh, uh, hippocampus on the, you know, hiding that. It, it's, it's still there. So yeah. how do you make sure it isn't detrimental or you've just accepted it? It's like, accepting what? it. It's, it's, it's actually understanding that this whole thing that is who I am, part of that is a certain suspiciousness. And instead of treating it as a damaged part of me, I'm able to turn within and say, thanks. Thanks, nervous system. I understand what you're trying to do. I'm not a suspicious woman. What I am is I'm, I, I recognize it as a little bit of trying to keep myself safe. And are there people I trust? There certainly are. There certainly are. I think I. it takes a long time. It takes me a long time. I'm very slow to warm up. And, but I have to say that it's, it's, a, it's the gentle acceptance that I've had many experiences that took me to a place of guardedness and that the guardedness is my attempt to take care of myself. If it really had gone dark, Lisa, I would have never let anyone in again. And that's not what happened. Mm. But I let people in very, very, very slowly. And some people say, this is ridiculous. Like, you don't trust me. I'm like, okay, if you find this ridiculous, this may not, may not work. Mm. Um, but, you know, however that looks in any given in any given relationship. But sure, I do have some guard up. And it, it, it's, again, we all carry our, we, we all have a journey in which we look different ways over the course of a lifetime. For me, that self, as we know from Kristen Neff's work on self-compassion, not judging ourselves, a big part of self-compassion. I no longer judge myself. Instead of treating myself as though I'm some sort of like paranoid, loony person, I sort of say, some things happened to me and it changed me and that's okay. Mm. That's what I was going to say because how many people do think of that as being like, oh my God, I'm always paranoid, I'm always loony and they use it as a negative right. thing. Yeah, yeah. But it seems like you've used that as like, this is what makes me beautiful yeah. and... It does and and it makes me, it, it, it fuels my empathy and compassion but it's also that I think where it becomes a problem is if it fully holds a person back that I'm saying, okay, I now know you put yourself out there, there's a decent probability you're going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. But I also know that I did come through the other side. Mm -hmm. So I know there was another side. It's not like anyone's ever signing up to get hurt, right? But you do know that you it's either that or just stay locked up inside of a box. That doesn't seem as interesting to me. But th there's definitely a carefulness. I will be frank with you, Lisa, it's held me back. 
it's I've seen it hold me back. I've seen it hold back people I've you know seen go through similar things. Like you don't trust. When you don't trust, it's harder to collaborate. It's harder to take new risks maybe in in work. It might be harder to meet new people. I mean, it does it does it certainly does. It holds me back. I've no two ways about it. It to me it's worth it. And that part of your acceptance has been part of your healing process? Correct. Acceptance is a huge, acceptance and self-compassion, understanding where it comes from. Um, it, it's being kind to that part of yourself. And I think when you do that, you might actually be able to enhance trust more because you're like, okay, I can, I'll be able to manage this if this thing happens. I will be I will be okay instead of I'm such a fool for getting scammed. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can find that you can find that compassion in yourself. But it it I think that relational betrayals at this level, romantic relational betrayals of trust are the are some of the hardest things to come back from. Again, Dr. Fried calls it betrayal trauma that the 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 what happens to us when our trust in someone we believe in and felt safe with is betrayed. It, it's unlike other forms. It's very different than if a stranger jumped out of a corner and stole your wallet. Mm-hmm. That's trauma too, right? Don't get me wrong, but it's very different because that trauma is more that you may not feel safe in the world in the same way. You may not go down that street. You may not go out at night. You may be less trusting of people in general, but the trauma that comes when somebody you genuinely trusted with your heart, with your life, with who you were, is able to to lie to you, lie to your face, and not really care about how it would affect you. That can that really changes a person's relationship with trust, not only of others, but of themselves. And many, mm. many people will wonder, I'm so dumb, how did I miss this? And that's where the work is, you're not dumb. You, you know, you may have missed it. In fact, there's really, really interesting work out there, and this relates to Dr. Fried's work. A woman named Dr. Leah Cosmides, who's a professor at UC Santa Barbara, she's done work on sort of we. She said we as human beings are naturally wired to be able to detect cheating. We know when we're being um, when we're being uh, tricked. People or women specific? Everyone. And she said it's because we are a tribal social species. Mm. So if somebody was cheating in that social group, it's a problem. So we have the capacity to detect that kind of social deceit. We do. Where Dr. Fried's work gets interesting is that although we inherently have that ability to know someone's scamming us, then it's the, it's the betrayal blindness. If we detect it and it's going to turn our lives upside down, there is a protective factor and let's just mm-hmm. cordon that off. And that's why people often don't or can't see it when it's happening. And it takes more than a few exposures to see it. And to your point about the person who had said, we're not just grieving that this relationship has ended. We've also, we're also grieving a future that we had expected was going to come, whether it's growing all together or whatever it may be. And we also, but I'll tell you, we're grieving something much bigger. We're grieving a world where we believed in the innocence of a forever love story. Mm. It's a big loss. Is that why it may be easier for friends to spot when someone's partner's mm. cheating than it is for them themselves? 100%. So friends can spot it because they don't have the betrayal blindness. Right, now. yeah. Exactly. And that's why, honestly, folks, you should probably listen to your friends <laughs> if they think something doesn't seem right here. Mm. Listen to them because they're not having the same kinds of protective mechanisms clicking into their brain. If anything, they're, they're, they've got your back. You know, They're looking out for you, whereas you may honestly be detecting it, according to Cosmody's research, you would figure it out you were being betrayed, but that that betrayal blindness will kick in so you can maintain that status quo and remain attached to that mm. other person. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business 
this actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is a negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. So if your friend says it, would um like what what would you like ask why so that you can really hear it? Like how do you start to open your eyes and mind up? I think the challenge is so like let's say I w- we're talking to the friends right now. The thing that's going to be hard is if you're a friend and you roll up to your friend and say, hey, guess what? I think you're husband's cheating on you, it's probably not going to work, right? If for some reason you've come into some information or you've observed something that's concerning you, you might want to start small and say, how's everything going between the two of you? Like, how's it been? And then say, listen, I, I want to share something with you that's uncomfortable and I don't even, and, but I, I don't even know where to begin. And it's going to be a lot to hear. I, I'm going to be frank with you. I've had this experience, right? And where a friend did it, where a friend did it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, the friend handled it so, so well. And I believed her because I, she was one of those people I trusted constantly like she never would have I knew she would have never there was no like there's no reason for me to not believe her and because she told me and I trusted her I did believe her and it was a whole cascade of events happened after that um but she did it very gently right it was it was uh you know found the time and space took me aside sat me down you know um explained her concerns said this is the only reason i'm telling you like it was she handled it it was like absolutely perfect way she handled it and i mean and she was right and she was right and so um i think it's really about the friend how they handle it and i have to tell you to a lot all the friends out there as it were um, don't be surprised if your friend that you're telling them of your concern about a betrayal that you're witnessing, that your friend's betrayal blindness also extends to you and mm-hmm. saying, don't be ridiculous or you're jealous of me or whatever it may be that they might come up with because that betrayal blindness casts a pretty wide net in a way that the person doesn't want to see it. They don't want to see it. You being the, um, you being the source of information is not going to change that. But I think that sometimes then because of that, to your point, people may push back and say, well, you're just jealous or, you know, it maybe they're triggered and that's why they're being mm-hmm. aggressive back. But I think that ends up being one of the reasons why some people may not then tell their friends. That's exactly right. Some people will say, I don't want to lose this friend. Yeah. They might say, let's take a wait and see on this. Let me see if my friend raises suspicion. So some people might wait for the friend to say, 
I am a little worried. I saw something weird on a DM and say, okay, we need to talk. Then your friend might get mad and say, why didn't you tell me sooner? Yeah, this one is going to be my next thing because if it's like, you've hid this from me? <laughs> it comes, you know, it really gets to this place of friendships are interesting, right? They're much more durable than intimate relationships, right? My 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 closest friend named Jill, she says, she says, yeah, friends are like cactus, right? And she says, you're my cactus friend. So I don't need to water you. You still, you're you're there. That's fine. I don't have to water you for eight months. You're still alive. It's great. I pick up phone eight months later. We pick up and it's great. And then all of a sudden a blossom comes out of the cactus. She's absolutely right. There's a hardiness to friendship that no other form of relationship has. Not family, nothing. And certainly not intimate. That The friendship to me, it's a shame we don't invest more in our friendships because they are so, so um shelf stable as it were you can just they just keep going and going and staying in place i think any friend has to sit down and have that conversation with themselves of i'm risking it all in this friendship if i say something and if i don't say something and then if they find out and they find out i didn't say something i think many if it's a, the friendship is healthy you're going to find your way out of this morass but it, you may lose that person for a minute. I think you do. There is some acceptance around that because it is. These are primal things, you know. This sense of unpacking betrayal. So some the per, we often kill the messenger mm-hmm. is my point. And so they, you know, the friend who does bring this attention, you might be killing that messenger. Um, and or you could just say, listen, I'm a little concerned at how this person's conducting themselves in your life. I, you know, I've heard things. It bothers me and. And then test the waters. And if your friend's like, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. You're so jealous. You're so weird. Then say, okay, I mean, I'm happy to talk about this. And if they shut you out, then they've spoken. You know, you, you've you tried to do what felt like the right thing to you. I, th- I don't think you can be strategic about this. You have to do what feels right to you in terms of those kinds of disclosures. And let's face it, Lisa, sit in the last 20, 25 years with the internet. Because when I went to graduate school, it was pre-internet, right? So even how infidelity and all of that was talked about, how we'd see it in a patient was entirely different. Mm. It, I, I mean, I almost challenge everyone. How would you cheat on someone if you couldn't, if you didn't have a cell phone or the internet? People did cheat back then, but how did you do it? It's almost like, would it be easier because then you couldn't track somebody? Because you're like, I'm actually gone for a couple of hours. And if yep. you're gone for three hours, yep. you can't just call them and say, hey, where are you? Correct. They can just come back and say, oh my God, I, my, my car broke down on the freeway. Yep. So that, I think, once they found the new person, mm. I think you're absolutely right. The ability to oh, conduct yeah. that. But the finding yeah. would have been t- more problematic, right? Yeah. So the person was seeking that kind of validation in a... In a um, extramarital person or an extra relational person, that would have been a lot harder. Mm-hmm. But the also the way that people are conducting their inappropriate relationships, right? And this is, it takes us to a different conversation. And I, I'd imagine that people watching this would be an interesting poll or question to put out to them. What do you consider cheating? Mm. What is cheating? Is texting someone and sending inappropriate pictures and saying sexy, t- is that cheating? Or doing that in their DMs, is that cheating? Is sending someone a dick pic cheating? Is sharing emotional stuff with a person saying, I've never met anyone like you before cheating? I saw your face mm, on yeah, that one, girl. Yeah, that one really got me. I was like, the dick pic one didn't even bother me as much as that one. <laughs> and, you know, is making out cheating? Is a blowjob cheating? Is oral sex cheating? Is it intercourse? What is cheating? That's half the battle. And this is especially narcissistic people say, oh my God, I sent, all right, I sent someone a dirty text. I was drunk. That's not cheating. You better be very clear on, on what you consider cheating is... I, and I don't think we have an agreed upon definition. I think it's what anyone considers to be a betrayal of trust in a relationship. But now we're back to I love you. Mm-hmm. I love you means something different to you mm-hmm. and to them. And what qualifies as cheating means something different. It means something very different. I think all of those things I just said are cheating. Mm-hmm. I do. Because I think they're all a betrayal of trust. The index I've always used with my clients has been, who are cheaters? I'd say, see this thing you did? How would you feel if your partner did it? That's the question. And if they could say, if you, and anyone watching this could say, I wouldn't have cared. It wouldn't have bothered me. I'd be like, okay. But by and large, when I'd say, you tell me, this is exactly what you did. Your partner did this with a guy. 
how would you feel? Yeah, that's such a strong question. Um, but I think it also does come back to you need to still have that communication, right? Because if you're okay with it, it's like, oh, I don't mind if my, you know, my husband texts his ex as long as it's not a sexy text. But he may care. Now you're not aligned on that same boundary. I so love that you brought that one up, right? That's a great example, Lisa. Texting an ex, is that cheating or is it not? That's where we start getting into the gray, right? So even like the dirty texts, like, you know, like, I, I can't stop thinking about your whatever sexual appendage it is, right? I can't stop. That, you know, that's little, that's sort of like a little dirty, sizzly thing. But texting an ex who you don't think about anymore, you broke up, it's been 10 years, but they're just texting him like, hey, how's it going? Like, I heard about the rainstorm where you live. You doing okay? Some people, Lisa, would consider that cheating. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm saying it. Everyone has to be on the same page. And then if a person says, I mean, I, this is why, honestly, if we lived in Romani's relationship fantasy land, just like when I'm a therapist, I have to give everyone an informed consent form. It's like five pages long. So all the conditions, there's this, and this is how you cancel, and these are the limits, and this is what confidentiality is. And if you're suicidal, this, and this is how much, blah, 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 five pages of that. Then they sign it at the end, and the assumption is they're agreeing to this these conditions. Mm-hmm. Imagine if we did that in a relationship. Mm-hmm. This is what qualifies as cheating. This is what I mean when I say I love you. This is this. This da 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 da. Imagine if we had that all writing. Take it. That should be a book. Uh huh. Yeah. I I I I to call it like a consent form for a relationship. Yeah. Like this is this is what I am. So what if a person said, "Hey, I consider you texting your ex cheating." The person can say, "Okay." Uh, off this this negotiations off the table because that's what we do we we slide contracts across the table you might be like yeah no I'm not giving you that percentage of my back end yeah no we're not doing that many kids a week and you're crossing them out the other person's like no I'll meet you on the back end but not on this so imagine we did that kind of negotiation and a person might say off the table my ex is one of my closest friends I do not think of this person sexually anymore but if I cannot communicate with them imagine you got that out of the way in the first mm. it's genius I love it and it's interesting how we would put that time and effort into a business or finance, yes, but we, we won't, don't do it for our hearts. We put that in our relationships. Like, I remember when I first started, uh, when Tom and I first got married, people were like, oh, you, because like, I'm like, oh, yeah, we always work on our relationship. I remember people's response would be like, if your relationship is work, then it isn't, like, it's not a, a right. good match. And I was like, what? I don't get you would expect me to work on my business, you would right. ex- on my career, but you don't with my relationship. Like that always felt like a big disconnect. So maybe it's just like the social norm that we need to start. And if you wrote a book, Dr. Ramani, about, <laughs> about like the social contracts, and maybe it's just in the book is the contracts. And now it becomes like more socially normal for people to do it. Well, I think it's a couple of things though, Lisa. I think one of the big errors a lot of us make in relationships, and this isn't necessarily related to cheating and infidelity and betrayal and all of that, but it's related to um, The primal urge we have in an intimate relationship, the same primal urge we had as infants, is that the other person will always anticipate our needs. As a baby, Mm -hmm. the fantasy for the baby was that the mother would be, or the caregiver, I should say, would be so perfectly responsive that every need, that there was no difference between them and the caregiver. Mm -hmm. That every hunger, discomfort, closeness would always be met immediately. So what does a child learn to do? Cry to get those needs met. As the child gets older, they learn to regulate themselves. Say, oh, this lunch is coming, mm-hmm. you know, or now no, they're toilet trained, or I can use my language to draw my caregiver close, whatever that looks like, right? So that's how we evolve when we're babies. But when we get into intimate relationship, we kind of go back to baby. And a fantasy is that this partner will know that texting their ex is cheating. This partner will know all these things I need them to know about me. They'll know what I love you means. Why would they? Why would they? And so that kind of transparency in a relationship is is so important. But I have to say, I'd never want to sign a contract with a narcissistic person. They're going to lie. So it's that 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 ain't worth a piece of paper. So you've got that same problem if you're dealing with someone who's shady, untrustworthy, toxic, narcissistic, that that process still won't fly. But maybe you'll learn a little. So they might just agree to everything you want just to be able, it's like love bombing, just to get you trapped under glass. But 
It's it is like a business. It, it is like a business contract, though, Lisa, because we could write a twenty-page business contract to avoid every single little thing that could go wrong, and yet that thing you never thought of sh shows up. It's not written in the contract, and then it's litigation and the whole nine yards. I think that when betrayal enters a relationship, it's like that. It's the thing we didn't think of, and that's why some people, you know, will look back and say, "I should have known this was coming." They cheated on me three times before we were ever engaged, but then I was convinced once. I had a ring on my hand, and then we, we they would never cheat. And once we were married, then it was legal, and they'd never cheat. But that I would say is a naive assertion because cheating is a behavior, and no legal contract would necessarily change that. And other people will say, "I was I am in a relationship with the sweetest person you could ever imagine," and then that sweetest person was simply being sweet with someone else and that other person sort of misinterpreted it or interpreted, maybe not even interpreted it. They were too sweet. Their boundaries were poor. And before I know it, my partner was in an inappropriate relationship with someone else. They're still really sweet, kind, respectful, and good to me, but they made this mistake. That's not respectful. You see what I'm saying? It mm. changes the whole narrative of the relationship. And it's really hard, Lisa, to change our schemas of a person. You're Lisa to me. Let's say you betrayed me. Okay, now whatever way. I now have to change my schema of Lisa. And that's a really hard thing for us to do when we care about people. I have heard of people who in adulthood will say a parent betrayed them, betrayed them financially or some other way. And they'll say, oh my God, like this is my parent who I thought I could trust on me, who fed me, who changed my diapers. And now I'm 40 years old and this person, my parent betrayed me financially. And they'll say, I have to write, there's an entirely new narrative I have to write of this person or or what I've always known to be true about this person, but I didn't want to admit. Now it's, I really have to, I have to own up to it. So like I said, betrayal, cheating, infidelity is a very complex topic that I think a lot of people try to oversimplify, like keep it sexy and your man will never cheat. I'm like, the hell they won't. I mean, I think of all the people out there that have brought their triple A game to a relationship and their partner still was unfaithful. It's, it's, it's not that. That would be an exhausting way to live as well, to always feel like you have to show up as your best self in that relationship. Otherwise, they're going to leave or, or cheat. cheat. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. They're le well, uh, to me, cheating is leaving. I think cheating is mm. a form of abandonment. It's a form of emotional abandonment. It really is. So I do think cheating is leaving. But I think for me, at least, I would rather Tom leave than cheat on me. That's interesting. Not everyone would agree with that. Really? I think a lot would. It is, I, 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 I agree with you because if Tom, if, if a spouse, I don't want it to call, because I love Tom, but <laughs> Tom be thought of that way. But if a spouse were to leave some, like some people would say, if they left, that's more honest. Exactly. That's exactly And I could actually continue. Like they, they came up to me and said, this relationship isn't working for me anymore. Not to say you're not going to be heartbroken, mm -hmm. but it's a very different heartbreak mm -hmm. than somebody cheating on you. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very different. Because if that happens, yeah, sure, there might still be some element of self-blame. But if a person says, listen, we've gone in totally different directions. We are, we're wanting different things. I actually really adore you, but I want to get out of this while we still like each other. And it's still going to be heartbreaking, but that's very different than a person cheating on you and a person wondering, what did I do wrong? What did I miss? Am I dumb? I'm so embarrassed. Um, on and on and on that that, that list would go on. Why did they choose someone else? And that's the other thing that happens when a person's cheated on is, why didn't they choose me? That's a very primitive dynamic. Mm -hmm. the, the, the child wanting to be chosen, to be loved, to be seen. And from people who are cheated on, they'll often say, why wasn't I the one chosen? It's, it, it's very hard to sort of fully internalize the sense of it's not you. This is not, it was never about you. It was about them and their needs and their wants. Why is it in, I'm just going to use women as example, because these like my friends and people around me that I've seen and heard, they blame the woman that their partner has cheated with. I hear that happen a lot. More so, though, than they blame their partner. So I don't know if you remember back in the day, the rumor was that um, Brad Pitt cheated on Jennifer Aniston with um, Angelina Jolie. Mm -hmm. My mum hated Angelina Jolie. And I'm like, but mom, mm -hmm. it's Brad Pitt that did the cheating. Yeah, that, again, I think that still speaks to an internalized oppressive myth. But this idea of... The myth is 
the relationship would have been just fine if this other person didn't show right, up. Right, yeah. I'm like, no, folks, there was something wrong. And it may not even be that the relationship was wrong, but someone in that relationship had something not right with them. Does that make sense? So it wasn't just, you can't, and the, the, the desire to blame that other person who was, with whom the person had the affair, right? I understand that, I hear that. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to anyone could have come up. And this person was primed because they needed validation. They needed excitement. They needed whatever the hell it was that this betrayal would get them, right? That it that, that person, that the person they cheated with is, is replaceable. But you're, that happens all the time. And I'll tell you why I believe that's the case, Lisa. If we blame that third party, the person that the, in this case, the man cheated with. It helps everyone else feel safe in their relationships. Well, our relationship is fine because this sort of awful person didn't come along. Mm-hmm. It allows people to stay safe. That's so well put. I've never th- understood why. Mm-hmm. Because, I think that's part of it. Because I've always thought, well, it's in the, again, in this situation, it's the guy that's betrayed the, their spouse. Yep. Obviously, if you know someone's married, I mean, not to pass judgment, I still think that's, absolutely horrendous though if you know someone's married mm-hmm. and you still go with that person but they don't have the they haven't got the trust that's been built it's the partner that has the trust and they've broken it not the third party correct the person. third party has nothing to do yeah, yeah. with the person who feels betrayed in the relationship mm-hmm. right does that make sense so it is a but i i think that that's a and we do that much more often when the man cheats with a woman when a mm-hmm. woman cheats with a man so she's cheated on her husband we're less likely to blame that third that that yeah. man on the outside yes, we really are you're right yeah. mm-hmm. so that's just the mm-hmm. double standard i think it's, it is i think it's it's a gender depressive thing i really really do and i think it's it's a it's so it's so built into the culture that we do have to c- catch ourselves and say because we have to remember too narcissistic cheaters love bomb the person they're cheating with they often lie to them, right? So just like they love bomb their original partner, the narcissistic cheater is going to love bomb their, their, their new lover, all the things, the gifts, the this, and they're also going to sell them sometimes what's a false narrative. My marriage is falling apart. We haven't had sex in this long. This person is mean to me and abusive to me and they hate me and this and that. So they really do sell a victimized narrative. And that's part of the love bombing scenario of getting this person into an affair with them. So that person, that third person was subjected to the same thing and maybe a lot of deceit too, right? So people said they should have known. What should they have known? For all you know, this person is saying that they're halfway through a divorce and that they've done this and they, oh, the only reason we're living in the same house is because the real estate's so expensive. Hmm. It's plausible. It's plausible. Especially if somebody's really charmed by someone, which they would be with a narcissistic cheater. And then you throw in there whatever dynamics that person is going through who is who is being love bombed, the new person around what it means to be chosen and all that other stuff. It starts to get very complicated. And because narcissistic people do tend to love bomb the new the new person who's a new source of validation, narcissistic people are very novelty seeking. That's another reason they're more likely to cheat. They like new things. And how in that moment then do you make sure that you don't compare yourself to the person they've cheated with? I don't think you can. I, I don't think that's a realistic ask. Mm. So when people say, just don't, it's, it's, a, it's an unfair comparison. I'd say to the client, all right, let's just explore it. Let's just, you're going to compare them, yourself to them. So let's do it. No matter how much I say the, it's the them and it's not you and da, da, da. Let's just, let's sort of play it out. And it's a natural process because we always do the math of that person was chosen instead of me. Mm-hmm. My response is that person was chosen because they serve a different function than you. They're a screwdriver and you're a hammer. You're just serving because this person who's doing the cheating may very well be viewing you as functional creatures in their life. The spouse is the forward-facing, public-facing, look at me, I'm the family person, we've got the kids, we've got the house, we've got the this, we've got the that. And the person they're cheating with is excitement, sneaking around, getting away with it. And it's funny because I have 
I've worked with enough people who've been in relationships with narcissistic cheaters who have said to me that, and I was thinking of one person in particular, she was very aware that her husband was cheating on her. Husband was ragingly, malignantly narcissistic. She was very aware that the husband was cheating. She said it to him. And no matter how many times she said it, she, she will not leave him, by the way. She will not because a divorce was going to be problematic for a series of reasons, right? So she, wasn't, she wouldn't get a divorce. Been married a long time. And it was very clear over time that I said, well, since you, you know he's going to keep seeing her, you're very aware of this, okay? So if you know that, you know he's going to keep seeing her. So why don't you communicate about that? So she did. And she said, I'd feel a lot better if you just be honest with me when you're going to see her, because I know you're seeing her. It's very clear to me, okay? So why don't you tell me when you're going to see her so I don't feel crazy, mm -hmm. right? And, he, and he's like, don't be ridiculous, okay? I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm, I told you I'm not really seeing her anymore. Don't be ridiculous, okay? You win, blah, blah, blah. So there was a time for whatever reason, the time of day this dude was going to leave the house or something. She, she said, are you going to see such and such? Absolutely not. I am not going to see her. I am not going to see her. She didn't believe him. So she drove out to where the lady lived and there was his car in her driveway. Mm. So he really went out of his way to lie about it, even when she asked him point blank, knowing he's seeing her. Mm. So then it makes you wonder how much of it is about the getting away with something. And in his particular case, I think a lot of it was the getting away with it. It was the, it was the, what's the word? I'm like, the heist of it all. Mm. It was the scam of it all. He wanted to, it was, it only worked if it was on the down low. Telling her didn't work. And for her, it was the honesty that was important, not the infidelity. Correct. Correct. Like, just be honest with me so I don't feel crazy. And he wouldn't do it. Mm. He And he kept, it was constantly, constantly, every time. It wouldn't work. It was, I, I'm imagining this guy not being able to get it up if he knew she knew. That's what it felt. That's what he got his... That's how he got... I think he was getting yeah. off on the mm -hmm. whole, I'm getting away with something. Mm -hmm. oh, that's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And yet it's also complicated. Because as I said, some people will say, I never viewed myself as a betrayee person, but I also know I can't leave my narcissistic relationship. I don't know what to do. And I, somebody started paying attention to me and then it went one step too far. That would be, that would be a person who's a cheater would say, but I really, I never thought of myself that way and I can't get out of my relationship. There are people out there who were seduced by the narcissistic person into an affair under false pretenses who, who, you know, people say, well, you could have done your research. Can you? I mean, somebody's telling you that this, this, and this are true, right? And they believe it and they're being fully love bombed and they now be maybe trauma bonded to this narcissistic lover of theirs. They're also in a position where they're being harmed by this narcissistic person, but they're the person who's being cheated with. However, and here's where it gets you on another twist on this, is where a person, so let's say you have a narcissistic, we'll name him, narcissistic John is married to Mary, and they've been married for a while. Narcissistic John meets Debbie, so it's having an affair with her. Narcissistic John has told Debbie, I'm we we're on the, we're we're actually about to file for divorce and you know we're 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 done i am in the process of moving out uh, you know our relationship is over um you know i feel bad for the timing i i i now i'm going to move things quicker cuz i've never met anyone like you love mom love mom love mom okay so debbie's being love bombed but john's lying to debbie john has no intention of leaving mary and so debbie's waiting thinking okay John and Mary are working it all out. John's going to leave Mary. Debbie is planning her life around making a life with John. John does not leave Mary. How do we even conceive of a Debbie in this? Because a lot of people would think Debbie's bad. But Debbie was sold a story and she believed it. And she's waiting and waiting and waiting. And John is staying with Mary. Mary might be kind of aware of maybe something suspicious with Debbie. but. Meantime, Mary's getting 
the holidays. Mary's getting the family vacations and Debbie's sitting by alone by herself on New Year's Eve. Do you see what I'm saying about this getting complicated? It's complicated. The same thing actually as you're saying, it happened to my cousin. So my, mm. my second cousin was with a guy. We met him. We really liked him. He proposed. Everyone was excited. Turned out he had a whole wife and kids in like Wales. And so he was always just like, oh, I go for business to Wales. So he living in London, just for context. So we were living in London and he would just say he half of his work was in Wales. And, and that's plausible. And she, yeah. And she, so she never knew. And so she, she has this whole future planned out in her head and then finds out that he's married with kids. But she probably held on for a long time, yeah. thinking that that was believable. Yeah. That's my point. But someone would have viewed your cousin mm -hmm. as the other woman, mm -hmm. right? And I, you know, again, it, so that's why I'm saying it's not as simple because someone could say, well, she was, she was enabling all this by cheating with him. She was told that, that she wasn't even told any of this. She thought she just met a guy who's not even in a relationship. So there's where I'm saying that it's not that simple ever and but one thing we do know is when a person has gone through relational betrayal through infidelity in that way it changes them it really really does and it, in some ways it doesn't matter which side of that equation you're on whether you're the mary or the debbie mary would go through one experience but debbie would go through another too because debbie was betrayed as well your cousin was betrayed as well Dr. Romney, I think you have just laid out so many truth bombs in this episode. Where can people find you and your book? It's not you. So please pre-order my new book. It's all I can say. You know this as well as me as an author that, you know, the pre-orders matter. Yes. Um, because it, you know, again, for me, getting the, this book out there and making this book succeed isn't just about, like, I'd love to have a very successful book, which would be lovely. But what's more important to me is that the more people who buy this book, benefit from this book, heal from narcissistic relationships, the more that this, the focus on these kinds of relationships becomes a focus of therapists, of research, of all the things we need so that people are not suffering silently the way they have mm -hmm. since time immemorial. And there's so much in there, whether you're going to stay in your relationship, whether you're going to leave your relationship, whether this is a family member, whether it's a partner. A lot of the stuff's the same. There's some things that are different. The book really breaks it down. So please come check it out. We have all kinds of pre-order incentives that if you pre-order the book and you hold on to that order number, we have all kinds of amazing free events we're going to have that you can check out. But then we have bonuses that if you've pre-ordered mm -hmm. the book, there might be some cool stuff in there. So just putting that out there as a teaser. But we have all kinds of great stuff coming up in the months to come if you care about this topic. And so please, I would love it if people would check it out, pre-order it. We still have our healing program for people healing from narcissistic relationships. We have our um, YouTube channel where every day we have new videos about narcissism. So nothing but information out there on how to make sense of these relationships, but more importantly, how to heal from them.